Hi, Alex Holmes, uh, Chief Operating Officer of Nano One Materials, uh, calling and speaking to you today from London. Uh, Nano One Materials is a Canadian listed company on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol NANO. Uh, just a little bit of background on Nano One itself. Um, we're a technology company for the manufacturing process and the way cathode active materials are made. Uh, why that's important is because uh, cathode active materials are critical for lithium ion batteries. And as we know, there's a huge energy transition underway uh, with electrification of vehicles, uh, uh, energy grid storage, and other ways to store energy. Uh, so our company has built up a robust patent portfolio over the last 10 years. We've struck partnerships completely across the supply chain from the big mining companies such as Rio Tinto uh, to the cathode active material producers like uh, BASF, Umicore, and then yesterday, uh, a big announcement from Sumitomo Metal Mining. And then if we move downstream to the cell manufacturers, the packs and the automotives, uh, we have partnerships and collaborations across the supply chain. Right, London's calling, you've answered, you're here. You're doing a um, actual road, road show with the Canadian delegation in, in London and in Paris, is that right? That's correct, yes. The Canadian federal government uh, has us uh, marching around with a few other companies um, today in London. Uh, with the investment committee interested in critical minerals and technologies in the supply chain, and the same thing again uh, in Paris tomorrow. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, we can tell us all about it another time, but um, today, and I know you've got to be there quite soon, so yes. we better, better get stuck into this. Okay, yet another endorsement, Sumitomo Metal Mining, um, yeah, basically um, signing up with a collaboration agreement with you. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what sort of money is involved? Yes, so Sumitomo, together with the collaboration, is investing 5% of Nano One. Um, so that brought in just under 17 million Canadian dollars into our treasury. Um, we've been working on this for the, about the past nine months uh, with some deep uh, collaboration uh, on materials testing, on technology due diligence. And what Sumitomo saw in us is a differentiated technology essentially to produce cathodic materials cleaner um, uh, with a lower environmental footprint, but also competitive operating and capital costs. Um, Sumitomo Metal Mining is arguably one of the most fully integrated miners, refiners to cathode active material producers today uh, globally uh, and very well connected within the Japanese ecosystem. 400 years, says in the, in yes. the press releases. <laughs> Batteries in 400 years don't tend to go, but it's mining as well. Hey, um, so, okay, so they get cleaner and cheaper, so that's good. What else are they getting out of it in terms of taking a stake in the company? So they... Um you know, we have collaboration, you know, the activities and collaboration is going to focus around business development as they work with their customers. We'll collaborate with them to help improve uh, materials and get it closer to their specific customer specifications. Um, so we see the end goal here is licensing and joint venture activities, both for LFP, um, but also for NMC, which is a, a nickel rich cathode. Right. Okay. And I think there's a lot of chatter. I'm people excited about this, obviously, because it's like yet another endorsement, yet another validation. But um, let's just talk about what what validation means, because you've you've been going through the phases with these, obviously, with this image over conversation for nine months. But you've been going through the phases in terms of validating your technology. Um, can you tell us, you know, what you've been doing today and what you still got to do? Yes, I think so. I think it's really important to touch on. Um, the fact that uh, uh, less than a year ago, we acquired the existing cathode active materials manufacturing plant in uh, Quebec, just outside of Montreal. 
um, that's in Candiac, Quebec. Why that's important is that is the only cathode active material plant in North America for LFP, cathode active materials production. The team that is now uh, fully merged in or joined, if you will, the Nano One team is roughly 50 of the most experienced operators in North America. That plant's been operating for about uh, 11 years, um, producing LFP for tier one cell manufacturers. And what we've done since we closed that transaction in roughly November last year, is we've effectively retooled the plant to make it suitable for the one pot technology. The team is completely trained up on our technology for making cathode. And we're now making uh, large batches uh, repeatably in full commercial scale equipment. So uh, about two weeks ago, we put out an update. Why that's important is effectively we scale the technology from lab to full commercial scale pieces of equipment. Right. So that, that's, in, that's in terms of the quantum that you can output, but in the validation process in terms of how the LFP batteries work, um, that's the bit I think people are so slightly confused as to how, how can you check that they actually do what they say they're meant to do. So uh-huh. get, the, get the quantum, but how do we get the longevity? So. I think uh, one of the important aspects is, of course, there's there, there's varying specifications available on materials out there. Um, we have a pretty you know, strong understanding of the suite of different specifications from performance to different characteristics of materials. What has to happen is we have to collaborate with the cell manufacturers because what it's not about just sending cathode, which is a black powder. It's not just about sending black powder and having them try it and it's a binary outcome. It works or it doesn't work. It's about, okay, this worked, this didn't work. Can you tweak this? Can you modify this? And this is very common in the industry. And so the validation of the material takes time. And uh, so we've sent out samples in the past. We get feedback. Um, so we call these the A samples, if you will. And then we start to get it to B samples. And B samples are what we can take off of our facility in Quebec. And we're talking hundreds of kilos at a time. And then eventually get into C samples, which are ton scale samples. So it's a very interactive process back and forth. Um, what we did with Sumitomo Metal Mining in this particular case is they went through and tested our, what we call our A-sample material and saw that it was good performing material um, and something that uh, they wanted to work more closely with us on to get it tailored for their customers at the end of the day. Right, okay. So you, again, so that process takes how long? Because okay, because it's the commercialization of this. Commercialization means money. When, you know, when do you think you get to a point where this testing by your partners or potential partners concludes and there's some kind of commercial discussion start? Yeah, so it, I think there's an important... Um, thing to differentiate between automotive validation timelines, because those are quite long. Those are measured in years. Um, Energy grid storage is much faster. And so that one of the reasons we have a joint development agreement in place with Our Next Energy, which is based in Michigan, is because we're looking at roughly a nine month validation timeline. So we are looking to get to offtake agreement for our future commercial plant which we have plans for next door to existing facility in Quebec. Uh, it's end of Q2, early Q3 next year. And the volumes are right sized to our commercial facility and their ramp up plans are similar to ours. While we'll, we'll continue to validate with the automotives off of the existing plant, off of our larger production line as well, um, ultimately leading to the plant scales that the automotives needs, which are, are mission 
thousands, you know, tens of thousands of tons. Right, and and it is one an enabler for the other. <clears throat> and I mean that in the sense that you know you, you've got to look at the size of the markets opportunities in front of you, and you don't necessarily want to commit all of your product for one line if you think you can make better margin committing it to to another kind of revenue stream. So how, how are you kind of, um, I guess, controlling that? Um, and that, that future out, output and uh, economics? It's a good question because we see a lot of um, uh, Gigafactory announcements. The realities are um, they're quite uh, uh, quite optimistic timelines, we'll say. Um, it, it's, it's not easy to start a cell manufacturing plant. Um, and so it's really important for us to align our commercial plans with, a part, with parties that are on similar timelines. It's not a build it and they will come type scenario. If we do that, we'll probably just be burning through cash, uh, making material that no one's ready to take. So it's really important to align those milestones. Okay, so you need to. So basically, it's not a case of I've got a I've got a, a list of all players in the space. You've got to like align that with people who are working to similar timelines as as yourself. Um, un, un, understood. But again, so it comes back to that question of. How do you kind of control the, the timing around when the economics start to be more apparent? Because I think that's what people, people have sort of been in awe of the the opportunity with Nano One for for some time, but not we're not actually quite sure what it meant, or not quite sure what the technology is, or or, or, or opportunity what is for you guys going forward. I should say, um, when do we get a sense of? the timing around the economics, the quantum of the opportunity in front of you? When, when do you start getting a, 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 well, when are you comfortable talking about that? Yeah, so I think um, we're, we're, we've just completed a equivalent of a pre-feasibility study for uh, the future plant next door. Um, so that gives us a sense of capital costs, uh, production capacity, et cetera. Um, I think we'll be in a better position to communicate um, uh, economics and volumes um, later next year. So as we sort of line up all our ducks, so to speak, and we have offtakes and we have sight lines on project finance and we can provide investors with a little bit more clarity on those timelines, um, we will be looking to expand from 200 tons per annum, which is our target for the end of this year, which is small scale, to effectively retooling that plant to take it back up to closer to nameplate capacity, which is about 2,000 tons per annum. The goal would be to have commercial sales off that. Until we have offtakes, we don't really want to project numbers uh, in terms of people being able to say, okay, revenue. Um, our goal right now is to be up and running with that commercial plan next door in the second half of 2026, relying on the existing facility scaling up to about 2,000 tons per annum uh, in that by the end of 24, so bridging the 25 into 26 period. Right, and how do you work out pricing in, in a market which seems you know, very buoyant for anything to do with EV, um, it seems to drive valuations, but at the end of the day, you're selling a product, a black mass as it were, to um, a market which is fairly nascent, right? It's they're not quite there yet in terms of their own, um, you know, their own issues so in terms of scaling, scaling up, and coming together of lots of different commodities that they're going to need um, as part of their their own solution. So, how do we, who an audience who's probably used to looking at, so, you know, metal metal prices, how do we work out 
what you're going to be able to achieve in terms of your own pricing for this black mass. Do we expect to see this continue to you know, drive up? Um, what's controlling that? How do you can, can you, you know, influence this? Yeah. Well, um, certainly from a, um, a, a battery metals chemicals standpoint, um, it, when it comes to pricing, you effectively flow through the pricing of key inputs to the end customer. So in the case of LFP, the major input there is lithium. So um, we mitigate our price volatility exposure by effectively having the same reference price mechanism from our supply chain to the customer. Um, where we see opportunities to, um, you know, perhaps have um, the ability to strike pricing models that are a little bit different than where it gets to when the market's millions of tons scale is that there's no supply today in North America. And certain customers aren't as price sensitive to as compared to the automotives. So the automotives are always going to drive for high volume, you know, it's a it's a it's a high volume, low margin business at the end of the day. But that's when we're getting to, you know, hundreds of thousands, five hundred thousand million plus ton scales. Um, the industry today doesn't really have that luxury because it's not established yet. Um, there's various players like energy grid storage, um, sort of government contracts that make sales. You know, these are smaller volumes, but they're typically um, less price sensitive, if you will. Right. So, it, but again, it's this bit that fascinates me because there's there's many um, revenue tracks that you can you can go down and maybe you try and hit them all. But you know, high volume, high volume, low margin. I, I guess that appeals to some people and others will be, well, actually, let's try to value the kind of technology component of what we, we provide, not just a black mass in terms of the, some of the constituent parts, but we bring something to the party in terms of delivering against a specific spec for you know diff, different groups. How, how, how do you, again, how do you play that in terms of, um, again, risk mitigation but also optimizing the margin. Uh, good question. So um, I, we may have talked about our business model in the past, but it's a it's a hybrid business model. So as we think about the automotive scale plants, which at the end of the day are just multiple production lines, okay? so it's five or ten of a one pot production line to make that particular material. That's where our licensing model really comes into play, because we're talking about much bigger capital numbers, and this is a space where the automotives are going to ultimately want at least two suppliers. And so what appeals to them is because we're flexible on our business model, they, that means they can license out to two of their supply chain base. Net of one's perspective, we're not on the hook for CapEx. We're bringing all the benefits of our technology, our know-how, our capabilities into that, you know, kind of joint venture, if you will. But we're licensing our technology in exchange for a royalty. As we think about certain cases like energy grid storage, maybe it's more right-sized to Nano One, for example, like this first commercial plant, which could take the form of a joint venture. Um, but at this stage, it's something that we'll look to work with customers and for offtake and prepayments and other methods to um, to raise the capital. So I think that's probably the best way to look at it. I think as we look forward, some of the models will be joint ventures. Um, you know, we're, we're not looking to be on the hook for billion dollar projects. Um, that's where our licensing model comes into play or if it's a joint venture, one party's bringing capital, offtake, et cetera, to the table. We're bringing technology, know-how, 
the skills to operate here. Right. Okay. I, I guess it's a, it's, a, it's a balancing act, and I guess time, time will tell. It is. Which which path or which paths you go down? Um, let's just talk about. I think you sort of did there in terms of first mover advantage there, uh, not not only in terms of facilities, but in terms of um, being able to be supply partners with with large bulk samples. But um, where where are you in the mix in terms of competition? Because we'll we'll need all of the above, so we need everyone to kind of you know do their do their bit. In the meantime, you can take advantage of of, of that. What what are you doing? What what you know? How are you positioning yourself in the market? Is it as a North American focus? Obviously, you've got uh, you've got some Atomos just joined us. What's their expectations of, of how they work with you? Are they comfortable in the U.S. market? Well, certainly. Um, well, let's let's tackle a Sumitomo Metalmitic first. Uh, they are very much keen on being a supplier into the Japanese ecosystem. So we've got major automotives there. We've got energy grid storage, etc. Obviously, a player that's very well integrated within that supply chain today. Um, so that's how we see work playing out with them initially. Um, but we'll also look at business development opportunities in North America and Europe and other regions with Sumitomo. It's not an exclusive relationship. Um, it is one where we do have the freedom to work with other parties uh, on on our technology. Um, where we see the market opportunity today is, uh, you know, the first generation of plants for high nickel are largely committed in the sense that let's just go with the standard technology. We understand that it's lower risk. Um, for the most part in North America, it's importing precursor materials and just doing the final stages. The end goal is to ultimately have it fully integrated. But there are problematic waste streams associated with the traditional process that our technology alleviates. So our high nickel technology is a little bit further behind LFP, which is the Irish chemistry. Um, but we'll continue to wrap that up with our partners like BSF and Umicor and others. For LFP specifically, um, there is no existing production in North America. We have the only plant. There's one other announcement in North America um, today, but the fact is we're going from zero to 500,000 tons at the end of this decade and a million tons by 2035. Um, it takes time for capital to be deployed, for plants to be built. And let's not forget about the operator skill set and the know-how. And you can't just put money in the ground and hope it works the next day. It takes time. And we see that there is going to be a, uh, a lack of operators, skilled operators, uh, to operate these plants um, within the North American context. And it applies to Europe as well. This is where our facilities, our existing team come into place. So we can help our licensees and joint venture partners with that operator training up front, which for us is good because then that you know, mitigates the, uh, the kind of commissioning risk, if you will. Okay. Well, again, maybe we can kind of pick up on that that whole kind of the, the, the business side of of the conversation another time because I know you've got to rush off at one final one if you, if you don't mind. Okay. You're now, you're now the um, beneficiary of almost 17 million bucks Canadian. Um, what are you going to do with it? So, well, we're going to, um, the roadmap we put out to investors earlier this year was let's convert the plant and bring in um, specific reactors designed for our process. Let's do large scale trials of, trials of all the existing equipment. So we, we sort of look at that as a two-step conversion. Um, so we're partway through that conversion now, and that's the news that we put out two weeks ago. And this capital from Sumitomo Metal Mighty will help us complete the rest of the conversion. So this is about getting 
um, ton scale sample in production scale equipment into customers' hands at the same time as we'll collaborate with Sumitomo on, um, you know, plans to get materials to their customer specs within the Japanese ecosystem and then ultimately put together commercial plans for plants and joint ventures, et cetera. So okay. Okay. that's where we're going to be uh, investing. Okay. In well, well, very, very, um, very good deal. Um, well done for getting them on board. You had another endorsement of you know, what you've been steadily building up there. So let, Alice, I'm going to let you go because I'm, I'm sure there's uh, croissants and coffee to be had over <laughs> at Canada House. Um, and you can tell us all about it when you get back next week. Okay. Okay. Appreciate Thank time. you, Matthew.